Yes, we're back. Episode 45 of the Hibs Ramble. It's myself, Sean, hosting this week. And I'm joined by the most problematic and least problematic child that Megan Kinghorn has. I'll let you guess <laughs> which one is which. But I'm currently speaking with well, Liam you can and Tommy. How are you doing, Liam? You all right? I'm not bad. But this baby's head is off floppy. How's the wee man? Is he good? Ah, he's all right, aye. He's all right. He's, uh, I don't think he's seen a Hibs win in his lifetime yet, though. So, no, he's, he does cry quite a lot because he's never seen Hibs win. Hopefully that changes on Wednesday night. He, oh, could, he, could, be, he could be three or month, three or four months old before he sees a Hibs win. <laughs> Maybe, aye. Actually, that's, that's probably true. <laughs> that's probably true. But, yeah, the newest rambler. If you've got any newer ramblers, then let me know. Any newer than two weeks in one day. I'm going to go and take him back to his mum now, because otherwise I'm going to get it in the neck. <laughs> so Liam, how are you doing? You good? I'm very well, thanks, mate. I'm very well. Um, being a dad of two is uh, it's a stressful time. It's a stressful existence. But listen, uh, trying my best. I usually rep the Hibs Ramble with, uh, with a, a mug of, of water uh, when I do the Ramble, but tonight I've got a pint of Guinness. I think that's well deserved. And speaking of things that are stressful, watching that game against Rangers was just as stressful as probably looking after a newborn child. Um, just before we get into it, how how was it for you? How uh, how was it being there? How was how was the game? How was the atmosphere? And then we'll get then we'll get right into it. I was I was looking forward to it. I actually thought we were going to take something from the game. Um, I think I, I think I always feel like that though when, when we play Rangers. So it's it probably doesn't mean anything. But no, I I was excited. I was excited when I was there, but then it kind of let down a little bit by the kind of shambles of the East Stand. And there was because I sit in the West, it just looked like there was no one there, and I thought I don't must think it's like a half twelve kickoff. But no, it looked like it was a bit of a shambles outside. So it kind of put a wee bit of a dent in the atmosphere before the game anyway. Yeah. When I was um when I was taking my notes and prepping for tonight's episode, on the face of it, it didn't really look like a too pleasing episode to record a defeat to Rangers and then previewing a Celtic and Hearts game. But let me tell you something, Liam, I am I am looking forward to this evening's the podcast. I think it's gonna be a good one for the listeners. Um we're gonna review that match. Uh, not in too much detail folks, don't worry, then we're gonna look forward um, to the Celtic match and the Hearts match and we've got plenty of listener questions a few juicy ones in there as well that um, make sure you're listening right to the end because um, I don't think we're going to disappoint you tonight that's for sure so Liam let's get right into it obviously you mentioned about the shambles of the the stand and things like that as well it looked from what, I've been, what I was able to see online that everyone seemed to be getting searched as well uh, I don't know if it was the same in the, the posh west seats at all but I think it's maybe just because of the amount of bother that you get in the East. Um, not only was there a lot of hassle getting into the into the stand, but Rangers caused us a lot of hassle right from the off. Um, before we get into the actual instance themselves, were you happy with the team selection or, or would you have made some changes? I think so. Um, I maybe would have stuck Jake Dyle Hayes in from the start, but obviously just coming back from a head knock, you don't want to risk him too much. 
Um, no, I, I was I was pretty happy to see the same starting lineup. You know, we dominated Aberdeen at Petodre, uh, and the lineup has been consistent now for a few games. So I thought, you know, it's probably not the right game to make changes and try and cap Rangers off guard. It's the right game to do what we've been doing well and kind of reinforce that. And I thought, to be honest, I actually thought, I'm going to sound like a happy clapper, but see for a 3-1 defeat, I thought we played really well. Not really well, but I thought we played well enough. Yeah. I'm, I'm against a different team, yeah. probably with the one. I must admit, I'm, I'm the complete opposite to that. Um, I don't know if it was because I wasn't at the game, I was unable to make it. I just caught the start of it and, and managed to watch it from, from the house. Um, I agree with you. I, I wouldn't have really changed the lineup in any way uh, for the exact same reasons. The, the, the bench isn't the strongest at the moment. Kukarevich still being injured and stuff doesn't really help us. And as I've already alluded to, we had a lot of... of pressure early on from, from Rangers. I think they had four or five corners in the first 10-15 minutes or something. A lot of heavy pressure from them. We'll get right into it and yes, we had a, the odd chances here and there, but to touch on their goal just to start off with, do you think it's a foul or not? No. Nah, never a foul. I think Lee Johnson said it in his post-match. Um, you know, it's, it's a good bit of defending from Egan, really. I think... Do you think he I gives a foul because he raised his hands while trying to block like block um Todd Cantwell off and win the ball? No. I think he I, I just think he gives a foul because he's not a very good referee. Yeah. Um but to be honest with you, mate, it's it's one of those ones that if it happens at the other end, you're probably screaming for it. And if it gets given, you're like, we've got we've got lucky there. It's it's in a little bit of a grey area between like a legal tackle and a body check. Yeah. But obviously, as house fans, we're going to say it's a legal tackle. Um, I don't know. I, I would, I would lean towards definitely not a foul. I, I think lean towards definitely not a foul. What a stupid thing to say. I, I honestly, I don't think it was a foul. But the way that Cantwell reacts, I think the referee has just had the wheel pulled over his eyes. Yeah. And that's that's no a slight on Cantwell because no. every player does it. Yeah, and, and Ryan Porches used to do it really well for us as well. So I wasn't actually surprised when it was given. I was shouting at my TV. I did think it was really soft. There was an incident not long after it that involved Jago where something similar happens and, and, and nothing gets given. And that's the reason why I asked about the the hands being a little bit higher up when when CJ comes in. And I, I was maybe wondering if that's that would maybe be what's swayed the referee in making that decision. But... Um, yeah, to be honest, I think there was three or four decisions that you know that looked like similar sort of challenges, similar kind of fouls yeah. that weren't given, uh, whether it be for Hibs or for Rangers. I just think that the level of consistency, and I know we, we've said it over and over and over again, the level of consistency is shambolic when it yeah. comes to refereeing in this country, and it's probably, I mean. Other people in other countries who do podcasts about teams in, you know, Spain, Italy, Greece are probably saying the exact same thing about their referees. I can't imagine it's just a Scottish thing, but oh my God, the consistency, it's just nowhere near, nowhere near. Um, thoughts on the free kick itself? It's clever, very clever. Um, 
I think you can rule out Tavernier to shoot for there. Um, if David Marshall assumes that Tavernier is going to always 100 times out of 100 whip that into the back post or into the mixer in the box, and then he's naive. I think everyone in the stadium knew that Tavernier was capable of putting it in the net for that angle, and and he did. I, just, I really didn't want to dig Marshall out too much because he is a good keeper, but his form has really tailed off recently, and it's disappointing to see because he's, I think he started the season really well and really strongly, but it's it's pure goalkeeping, really, isn't it? Yeah. When you yeah, really look think- back on it. Yeah, I think I actually didn't think that, that, that Tav was even going to take the free kick initially, and then John Longstrom starts speaking to him and he starts coming over. At that point, I knew that he was going to have a pop. I don't know if you remember that James Tavenier scored his first goal for Rangers in a very similar position, but on the opposite end of the pitch. His first goal for Rangers was a free kick out wide, and it was one of those that was it against Hibs. No, that's what I'm saying. It was against Hibs. It was, was at the it? End, it was at the other end of the pitch. It was uh, shooting in, into the away fans. Um, Tavenier top puts it in the top bag there as well, and you know the keeper was at fault then. I would suggest, and for me, Marshall's at, at fault for that. I think as a goalkeeper, your positioning is obviously vital, especially when a ball's coming in like that. And to not be able to anticipate that that's maybe where it's going to go is, is yeah. disappointing. And it's already in the back of the net before Marshall's even over there, and then obviously he falls into it as well. So doesn't cover himself in glory. I think when he joined, like you said, we were obviously happy with it. He started off the season quite well, but there are lots of instances throughout the season, whether it be Celtic away when we got the drub in at the weekend there, um, the other week at St Johnston away, just to name a couple of games where he has been a bit ropey. And like, on the flip side, he has kept us in games at times. He's made big saves at big moments. You think about the, the double penalty save at Living, uh, against Livingston at home. Yeah. Exactly. So that he has had, you know, moments, but I think as a collective now, the majority of the fan base are maybe because of how big those bad moments have been, and how high profile they've been. I think it's maybe coming to the end for him. Not necessarily his Hibs career because he's obviously got another year year on his contract. But I mean, with the level of support that he's that he's going to have with the support, unfortunately, and I don't actually think that. If you compare him and Matt Macy, for example, I would say arguably David Marshall's had more high-profile errors, not necessarily bad games, but errors that have led to goals. Yeah. Matt Macy wasn't obviously a great goalkeeper for us either, um, and I, I know Marciano's boots were hard to fill, but um, yeah, I think it's certainly an area of the pitch that we're going to have to try and improve in. And I think that was a given anyway. You know, you look at David Marshall's age. What age is he now? Thirty-eight or thirty-seven? Something, Something like that. Um, you know, we know that he's not got an awful lot of long, an awful lot of time left. Sorry, in his in his playing career. So, well, I mean, if you look at Craig Gordon, then maybe he does have a, a few years left in him. But um, he's got I to think, perform at the right level though to keep that up. That's the thing. This is it. This is it. And listen, everyone was delighted when David Marshall signed. The caliber of player. Is is probably through the roof for Hibs on name alone. Yeah. When you look at you know what he's done for Scotland and what he's done for so many clubs down south over the years, 
I think the fact that we actually got him in in the first place was a bit of a coup. Um, unfortunately, over the course of the season, I think I th- he, he has been a half-decent keeper, but he's just got that mistake in him, and that's just the unfortunate side. I mean, when you're a keeper, you can't make a mistake because it'll nine times out of ten lead to a goal. It's, this is just what, what the life of being a goalie is. Yeah, and to get back to your point earlier on, then you're in no way a happy clapper, Liam, but you did mention that you're relatively happy with the actual performance. Mm-hmm. And as I said, I was I was actually the complete opposite. I, I wasn't happy at all with a lot of the stuff that we gave. For me, yes, we had a, we had the Campbell chance just before half-time, and we'll just quickly touch on that in a sec. But to me, and I don't know if it's because I wasn't in the stadium, to me it, it gave off the feel of a side that didn't really have anything to play for and were just kind of turning up for the sake of turning up. Um, the Rangers? No, Hibs. Hibs. It just didn't look like there was anything any, anything about us considering what we have or did have on the line at that point. It felt as if they just weren't up to the, the, the fight, you know, giving Rangers the challenge that they needed to give. Lee Johnson mentioned pre-match that he wanted us to be aggressive and take the game to them. And yet it wasn't until maybe the 40th minute when we got that, you know, real opportunity that we should have been putting away. What was your thoughts on Josh Campbell's chance? It's a huge chance, isn't it? It's one of them on another day it goes in. And I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to no commit you, but I'm going to like disagree with your point. What we did look like we, we were attacking. I, I thought we were, we were going forward well. We were, trying to contain Rangers a little bit, I thought, and then trying to break down the left with Yuan most of the time. And, you know, for one reason or another, it looked kind of like the Yuan that we saw at the start of the season holding up the ball for that extra touch too long. Um, just couldn't get quite by his man every time. There was a few instances that he actually got past uh, James Tavernier and right back and got, you know, into the box and for one reason or another couldn't cut it back or ran out of the park or whatever, but um, no, I think the first half performance definitely was a lot better than the second half performance. But I'm you're, not you're, sure. you're right. You're right in what you were saying. A lot of our attacks were coming down the left side. It's, it's clear when you come up against any Rangers side, you know if you've got any bit of quality on your left side, you want to try and exploit the fact that you're up against James Tavernier and you want to get him behind. And we did do that. I'm not in any way saying that we were camped on the edge of our box for the first half because we did break out. It was just a very, for me, a very frustrating first half to watch, and it was, you know. it was frustrating because you, you can when <clears throat> when that Rangers team came out. Well, I certainly was like, this is a this is a beatable team. Great this chance. is a beatable yeah, Rangers eleven, chance. especially a Rangers eleven that's no get anything to play for, apart from their spaces in the in the squad next season. But you know that's small fry compared to you know gunning for a title in a, yeah. in a group stage Champions League place. That's probably where part of my frustration comes from, is seeing that Rangers side. And like I said, I wasn't in the stadium, so I couldn't get a grasp on on what the feeling was you know, within the stand. But to see a Rangers starting a living like that, when you think of how many players they had missing or dropped or not even on the bench, I just, maybe wrong of me, just expected a little bit more from us. Um, we had that chance, obviously, the yeah. Campbell in 40 minutes. 
you put that you put that to bed. We go in at half time one one. We have the Nisbet chance on the forty eighth minute. Again, both chances coming down the left side. We did look um very dangerous to, to an extent down the down the left hand side. Um and then they obviously go up the other end and get get their second goal. Um obviously before that Nisbet has another chance and hits the bar as well. So I'm not saying we didn't have no chances. We we did create it. I, I I just think it was maybe just the way that we maybe managed the game in regards to how much of the ball Rangers had. I think um, I'm not sure what you remember of the second goal. For me, and he's had a lot of plaudits in recent weeks. Um, but Joe Newell doesn't track Tavernier coming in, so it's Ryan Jack that's down the right. He plays it in. He plays it in, and. <laughs> Uh, Tavernier's running through the middle now Joe Newell does have a look to his left and he does see him but he doesn't make that extra burst to try and either close the gap or bring it down and it leaves Will Fish in a position where he's in the middle on his own because Paul Hanlon's needed to come out wide for me Paul, uh, for me, Will Fish should maybe move across a little bit more and try and cut the gap it's a very very sloppy goal to concede though and I do feel like it was very very preventable I think all three goals were were preventable. I mean, in in the first instance, you know, does CG you know really need to give away the foul? Uh, whether it's a foul or not, does he really need to be as aggressive in there? Second goal is is preventable, but on the same token, I think when Rangers started to move the ball in that second half and having the runners off the ball, I thought they looked really really dangerous. And to be honest. You're sitting looking at it thinking it's probably a matter of time before they score again. And that's just the way of being a you know, a team that yeah. plays the old firm because you know yeah. they can turn it on whenever. Uh, yeah. I got my I got my second and my third goal mixed up, but uh, well the wrong way around. But you're right, both goals were preventable and both goals were, were a bit of a mess. Um and you know, doesn't cover ourselves in glory, especially considering no, really we've doesn't. got we've got obviously Celtic coming up. Um what just before we move on to the Celtic game, because I don't want to dwell on obviously the Rangers game too much, do you take any level of hope going into that game? Just before we talk about Celtic themselves, just talking about the performance at the weekend, is there anything that you feel we can take from that to, to go into the game against Celtic? If the full-time whistle happened on 45, then yes. Um, I think so far... Or a lot of the time from Hibs in recent weeks, we've seen 45-minute performances. And it's it's not good enough, especially when you're playing the old firm. You know, we could get away with a 45-minute performance against St Mirren because we scored two goals. Um, but you can't get away with 45 minutes against against a Rangers or a Celtic or a Hearts or even an Aberdeen. We need to make sure that we're playing our way, on our terms, not bowing down to Celtic and letting them do what they want. I feel at times, not for the whole 90, but at times um, on Sunday, there was a bit of that going on, a bit too much respect to Rangers, something that Lee Johnson actually said that we did too much when he came in and he was going to kick it out. It's not something that I've seen over the course of the of the old firm games, apart from, I would say, the 2-2 the at, 
at home to Rangers, but you know that's we've got a point in different circumstances. Then you know Rangers were certainly men. But they said they said on the TV that, and I was quite surprised by this. Um, the last time that we beat Rangers at home in the league, in the Premier League, in, in the top division, was two thousand and eight. Um, the Chris Killing game. A very very surprised to hear it, uh, considering you would think, especially over recent years, regardless of the fact that we played Rangers quite a lot in the Championship, you would think that that would be the side that we would have most of our recent success over. But yeah. when, we've, when we've actually done better at home against Celtic, we've had a couple of recent, I say recent, you know, 2018, 2019 <laughs> uh, victories at, at home against uh, Celtic. What's your, what's, what's your fondest win at home against Celtic? You got against one. Celtic? Um, I can't remember the year, but it finished three two, and it was Dean Shields that scored the winner. Um, I think uh, I can't really. Oh, I think it was did Thierry Gattuso score? Thierry Gattuso maybe scored the first goal. Yeah. Um, I can't remember who got the second, but I remember uh, it was Zamama had the ball on the edge of the box. And I'm, I think it was quite late on and he had a curling shot and Boric, it was going into the top corner and Boric goes to save it and it goes the opposite way that he was jumping. Yeah. And then Dean Shields slides in and sticks it in and goes and celebrates in front of the Old East. And I, that, I remember that. I remember that well. I think that might have been the first time that I've seen us beat Celtic at Easter Road. Or the first one I remember. Um, obviously the squiggler as well as a good game. I remember when John Rankin has the ball in the middle of the park, uh, and he, he's lining up to shoot, and I'm going for fuck's sake, yes! I've sat in the famous five in that game. Scene. I remember it. I couldn't quite believe when it when it hit the back of the net. For me, there was the one that I, and this is kind of more recent memory more than anything else. Do you remember the the victory at home to Celtic um, under Neil Lennon? No surprises there where Stephen Whitaker picks it up in the corner of our own half, yeah. plays a couple of one-twos, plays out the back, and this is like within the first minute or something, and Slifka goes up the other end and scores. I think we win 2-0, maybe 2-1. Um, I, I think we won 2-1. We went 2-0 up, and then they, I think Scott Sinclair scored. Late on, At the I, end. I can't remember who scored the second. Oh, it was Cam Berry, wasn't it? Yes, it was, yeah. I vaguely re- I remember sure. that game. Um, that first goal was superb. I remember that season. I was the world's biggest advocate for Stephen Whitaker, and everyone was telling me that I was stupid, that I was talking shite. I said, Stephen Whitaker's the technically best player that we've got at the club. And everyone's going, oh, fuck off, that's that next thing. And he turned into bloody Messi. I know. When he picked the ball up and he ran all about. And it was, a, I think it was about a scuffy slipper as well. And it ended up in the back of the net. I can't remember who was playing goal for shit like that day. I was... Slavko and Canberra done done the double against against Celtic. They both scored in like two games in a row and two victories that we had. And both of them scored against Rangers as well. Yes, so we could certainly both do with a a performance or a result like that on Wednesday. Do you think um, Celtic will make many changes? I mean, if if you look at the last two games, they rested a lot against Rangers, got pumped, played full strength against St Mirren, arguably could have got beat there as well and, and although they dominated the matches you would expect a Celtic side to do they, they came away with a point but 
Um, I'm not sure if you've seen the highlights back. Joe Hart already looks like he's he's in he's in Hawaii with his feet up, cigars out, and everything. He's making absolutely no effort to save anything at the moment. So, do you think they'll go strong, or do you think they'll change it up, considering the two completely different teams that they've put out, and yet they've still got below par performances? I think if you're Ange, you probably are making changes. You want to keep your Kyogos, your Jotas your Hatate's fit for the final. I mean, I know that it's, with all due respect, it's against Inverness, but it's they want to win the trophy, they want to win the treble. I think Ange would be... I don't want to say silly, I think it would be a mistake if he's putting out his star 11, his best 11, in a game that the opposition really needs the points. And would probably be very aggressive. I think it would be daft of him to play Kyogo Jota, Hatate, hopefully Carter Vickers. Didn't he play him either? Um, I think Carter Vickers is out for the final anyway, so that that leads me on to my next point. Alistair Johnson and uh, Carter Vickers won't be playing, right? And haven't been playing for the last couple of games. You've had Tony Ralston play it right back in both the games. um, And he's changed... At centre half, he's played uh, one of the Asian players that plays centre half, and then he's played another one that normally plays centre mid. So he seems to be a bit all over the place and unsure himself. And they, as a back line, they do look all over the place without Carter Vickers. Um, superb defender, probably the best in the league, um, or is the best in the league, considering you see how Celtic have been the last couple of games. And I think for me, that's something that we maybe need to try and exploit because. Starfelt will normally play on the left of the two centre-halves. So you, you're going to have potentially someone on the right of the centre-half, Anthony Ralston, who don't normally get as much minutes up against potentially Eli Yuan. So hopefully that's something that we'll be able to exploit. Do you think there's any other ways in which we can maybe get a result? Any other key players for ourselves? I think our our strength comes from our pace on the wings. Our pace on the wing <laughs> with Eli Yuan. I'm not too sure if Chris Cadden has the has the same amount of pace as Yuan does, but I was just going to say that I think our, you know anyone in the division apart from Rangers' best chance at beating uh, Celtic or either one of the old firm is when they've got nothing to play for and when they're experimenting with their squad, either that or in the first game of the season or something. So I think we, even though we got beat on Sunday, I think we should still be going into this game confident that we can maybe take something. I'd love a point. I would be delighted with a point. Um, but going back to your question about exploiting exploiting kind of weaknesses, then I think pace down the wings is, is the way to do it. Um, I'd be inclined to start McCurdy. I thought he did all right when he came on on Sunday. We know he's got pace, but then again, if you start McCurdy, then who have you got, who have you got to bring on? Yeah. And what... What do you see the outcome on Wednesday being? What do you do? You think we'll get three points? Think we'll get Celtic a point? win. Celtic win to nil. <laughs> <laughs> do you think, regardless of whether we get zero, one, or three, do you think fourth is? I mean, mathematically, it's not out of reach. But regardless of how we get on on Wednesday, do you think fourth is gone? Do you think no. it's now just a case of? 
doing the best that we can to not lose fifth? I don't think so. I don't think so because Hearts have got to play Rangers. Yeah. So if we can scrape something off a of Celtic, then it leaves it all to play for, assuming Hearts get beat at Ibrox, it leaves it all to play for on Saturday. And because that's I think what you're if, wanting. You're needed. You're needed. You're needing Hearts to get beat on Wednesday realistically. Because yeah, if they draw and we and, and we get a win or anything like that, you're you're still leaving it very very tight going into the last. We need to game. better the result. Is, is uh, Hearts Hearts have a better goal difference than us as well. And how often in a derby game do Hibs win by two or three goals? It just doesn't happen. So you know you'd be asking a lot to go to Tiny and needing to get pick up two or three goals to hopefully, you know, go above them. So um what's your what's your actual prediction then? I'll take a prediction off you now and then we'll we'll go on to the hearts game. Bite your hand off. For a nil nil nil. How do you see the other games going? Like obviously it's it, the other week we had the chance to Closing on Aberdeen, we didn't take up that opportunity. Hearts drew, they dropped points, obviously, away to St Mirren as well. It just seems that every time this season we have an opportunity to not take the upper hand, but get ourselves in a very good position, we never seem to take it, regardless of whether yeah. results go our way or not. Um, obviously, you've got Aberdeen away, uh, sorry, Aberdeen at home to St Mirren, and you've got Hearts away to, to Ibrox. How do you see those two games panning out? And the reason why I'm asking that is because, obviously, we're just about to go and review the Hearts game as well. A preview, sorry, the Hearts game. So I want to get your thoughts on where you think we could potentially be going into that game. Fifth, I think we'll be fifth. I'd, I'd, uh, they, I'd be happy if the Dons took took points off St Mirren. I think we're, we're kind of relying on that at the moment. I think Hearts will probably get beat against Rangers. Um, Michael Beale. I think Rangers are in a different place than Celtic are at the moment, even though neither of them have got anything to play for. I think Rangers are, or the Rangers players certainly, are looking to impress Michael Beale, uh, trying to get you know, a, a place in that starting 11 for next season. So I can imagine that Rangers will probably put out a similar performance against Hearts as they did against Hibs. Celtic, on the other hand, I think you know the Celtic players know where they stand with Postecoglou. So is it going to be a bit of a different mentality? I don't know. I think Rangers will beat Hearts. I think St Myrna will get beat by Aberdeen. And I think we will draw with Celtic. Keep it alive for the final day. So going into the final day, that would leave us three points behind Hearts. Um, and depending on the goal difference, you're talking a five or six goal swing potentially. Well, I'll, I'll say hearts. that. What's what's the goal difference at, at the moment? So Hearts are on plus six and we're on minus four. Right. So, so it's a I difference. Think hearts will get beat by at least eight goals. <laughs> eight. No, Make it easy for you us. had to hear first, that <laughs> No, it'll be it'll be nine one. Hearts will take the lead. False hope and all that. Um, it, it honestly wouldn't surprise me if Hearts go there and, and get a point or something. It wouldn't surprise me if 
if we manage to sneak a point against Celtic, like if we if we got a one one or a two two or something like that, it would not surprise me in the slightest if Hearts went and yeah. um, beat Rangers. I actually also have a slight a slight incline that St Mirren might get something away to Aberdeen. How Obviously, far are, how far behind us are they? Two points. Right. Obviously, if you're listening to this after the Celtic game, then you can just skip all of this and maybe just look forward to the the Hearts preview. But I I, I do. I don't know what it is. Aberdeen, since Barry Robson signed that deal, I know Mark's not the biggest fan of Barry Robson as it is. Mark hates Barry Robson, uh, eh? I just, I've got a wee feeling that just the way that the performance that they put in at Celtic Park versus the performance that we've put in against Rangers at home, it just they just scream of a side that are maybe wanting it more. Um, I don't know, I, I could be wrong. I hope I am wrong. Aberdeen obviously needs to to get something to pretty much confirm third and they'll want to do that in front of their home fans. I've just got a wee sneaky feeling that St Mirren might nick something and we'll have to go to Tyncastle. I know that St Mirren are playing Rangers, but we're going to have to go to Tyncastle realistically needing to bet our results. Exactly, and it's, it, is a, it is a tough place to go. Is it at Pataudry? Um, it is at Pataudry, yes it is, yeah. You'd, you'd like to think that Aberdeen would probably... Take points off of St Mirren at home. Well, St Mirren last home game. Yeah, St Mirren. Is it the last home game? St Mirren have Rangers at home last game, and Aberdeen. Who did, who did Aberdeen have? They have Celtic away. So Aberdeen, Aberdeen are going to have to try and get something just in, just in case Hearts get a result against Rangers. Aberdeen are going to have to try and get the win against St Mirren. But on the flip side, you know St Mirren are going to want to stay in with a shout of um, of of fifth. So because their goal difference between us and, and them is about eight goals as well so they're going to have to try and get something at Pataudry and they'll know fine well that we were playing Hearts away mm-hmm. last game of the season, not the greatest place for us to be going when we need something we've got previously going there needing to do something and, and not being able to do it um, on a bit more of an upbeat um, tone before we get into the, the rest of the Hearts preview what is the best or your Best and your favourite goal that you've seen at Tynecastle. At Tynecastle. Yeah. Well, to be honest, Sean, I've not actually got that many to pick from. I've got. Right. Hey, we, we played. We played Bonnie Rig there. We played St Johnston there. there twice. I wasn't there. Oh, I wasn't there. I, I was giving you more of an opportunity there. To I've pick got even less game. of. Got even less of a pool. Um, it's got to be I'm a game actually, that you win it. So. I was at the the two one game, the Ross Caldwell Lee Griffiths free kick game. Um, that's where I'm trying to actually team think. Team. Well, I'm trying to actually think of that's like all the goals that I've seen at Tynecastle. I've so seen as you're thinking. That's the two that I have. My my favourite goal and the best goal that I've seen are both in that game. My favourite mm-hmm. goal being the Ross Caldwell one, purely just because of the limbs that came after it and how unexpected it was. And the best goal for me is is the Lee Griffiths one. Obviously, right, I'm going to try and go differently. Sticks out. Um, and the Daryl Horgan one sticks out because I was in the front row. Your, you could even clash your your um, Derek Rardin penalty one is is one if if you were there on that day. Dan, Dan needs to be there. I needed to be You've there. That, that's the only stipulation. Right. You had to be at Tyncastle. Right. I think. I actually think I've only seen a score. Maybe like five or six times at Tiny. I've seen Ross Caldwell Lee Griffiths, right? Yeah. 
I've seen um, Jason Cummins times two. The two two, yeah. I've seen. I uh, saw the one where we were wearing the, the white away strip first season in the championship. Jason he scored, Cummins. and I think I think we got beat. Three one or something, two one, three one. There was a we wore the oh the white away strip. Sorry, I thought you mm-hmm. I thought you meant back when Cummins was playing. Uh, yeah, three one. Yeah. Um. Obviously, the Paul Hamlin goal. I completely forgot about that game actually. Um. The one that's sticking out to me is the best goal that I've seen, and I, yeah. I can't remember what the final score was or what season it even was. It was Farid El Alagui. And I think it was a consolation goal. It was. Yeah. And he kind of, he had his back to the goal and he flicked it up and over one of the defenders. Was it like a half, it half volley or something? Edge of the yeah. Ball or something like that. Yeah, I remember that. And it was an absolute zinger. And I remember thinking, oh, such a, it's such a shame that that wasn't a winner because it was it was such a good goal. And then I think the only other goal that I've seen, I think, did Flo Canberra score a penalty? Into the way... I vaguely, I vaguely remember Canberra getting a goal at Tiny, I think so. I, I remember he got sent off. I remember that. Yeah. I think it might have been the same season. Or was it the season that we chucked second? I can't remember. I can't remember. But uh, I think I've only maybe seen us score about five times, I think. So, so what, you're embarrassing. Is, what you're saying is your favourite and the best goal that you've seen at Tynecastle is going to be the next one. Yeah, well, my favourite one... Is Hanlon. Yeah. And the best one, I think, I'm going to give it to Farid el because it was a zinger. I'm going to need to try and find find the find the clip because I bet it's not as good as I remember it. But I remember it being a... <laughs> I remember it being a good goal oh, well, as well. Good goal. Yeah. Well, how, I can't even um, remember what year it was or what the final score was. <laughs> we, probably, mate, we probably didn't win anyway, let's be serious. I've also seen Jordan Forster score, but then it was chopped off. I was about to say that was was I'm that only sure. Ah, I don't know. Yeah, we've had some stinkers against them, haven't we? Sure. Um, if we compare the two games, obviously Celtic game at home, just very quickly, are you what kind of changes in, to the starting eleven are you making to that? And then I'll I'll then flip it to the the Hearts game. What for the Celtic game? What changes are you making, if any? I think. I know I said earlier I would put McCurdy on, but I think I'd be inclined to to take one of the front three and put put another midfielder in. Um, maybe put Jake Doyle Hayes in from the start alongside uh, Newell and Campbell with Jago just behind, and then maybe have Nisbet and Yuan as a two up front. Change shape a wee bit, yeah. Change shape a wee bit. Maybe got a couple more bodies in that middle of the park. I thought there was a lot of times on Sunday that we were losing battles in the middle of the park purely because you know it looked like Rangers had an awful lot more players, but it's just because they were using the space better. Um, I don't know. I think there's not an awful lot of changes to personnel that I would make particularly because I don't think that one, a lot of players really deserve to lose their spot and two, I'm not sure that... Um, We've got the quality that can come on. Or yeah. Come in. Yeah, basically that. Aye. Um, if Miko was fit, I probably would have had Miko up front. Um, a little bit of a different dynamic. Maybe with him and Yuan. Uh, with Nisbet coming off the bench. Maybe. But I don't think he'll be fit enough to play. And with such a short turnaround, 
how do we then line up against against Hearts? I think then a different Kelly pitch all together. I think you take the extra man out of midfield and you play the the same starting lineup that be the Easter Road. Yeah, I like it. Prediction if they're available. Or for the Hearts game. Yeah. Oh, don't make me do this, Sean. One nil Hibs. Harry McCarthy. By, by the time Saturday comes, it'll be four nil Hibs. Because yeah, they'll probably, make the goals. Yeah. <laughs> probably. <laughs> on just, on the march on the way after I've had a few cans. What just to kind of I know you're a top quality footballer yourself, Liam, and, and you've been in high pressure situations throughout your whole Absolutely. footballing career. Um what kind of mindset do you think the Hibs players will be in, assuming that assuming both Hibs and Hearts get beat, right, on Wednesday? We'll just assume the worst here, because obviously it's, if we get anything and we're still within a chance of getting fourth, it's easy to motivate the players. Do you know what I mean? We beat Hearts, we go above them, blah, 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 whatever, right? Both teams lose. Here's a situation for you. And for me, it seems as if Hibs have maybe kind of forgot that St Mirren can actually catch them. Again, I'm just basing that on the performance that I saw from some of the players at the weekend there. Where do you think the players' mindsets will be going into that derby? I mean, you shouldn't need to motivate. You shouldn't need to try and motivate somebody for an Edinburgh derby, and if you're having to do that, you shouldn't be at Hibs. But what kind of vibe and, and feeling do you think will be around that dressing room if we lose to Celtic and fourth isn't catchable? I think the players will understand that they can end the season on a high, regardless of where we finish. If you beat Hearts in the last game of the season, the supporters are going to be happy. Um, I think your players like Joe Neal, Josh Campbell, will be really important in that game. Battlers, I know Joe Neal's no, like a, he's no lethal, he's no, but he's no Scottish. But I feel like Joe Neal is a proper Hibs man. He gets it. Um, I think I don't know. I don't want to focus too much on Hearts. I want to focus more on Hibs. I think that we'll be eager, because we we beat them at Easter Road, I think we'll be eager to then do it again, even more so than if they'd have beat us or it was a draw at Easter Road um, the last time. Like you say, I don't think anyone needs any sort of extra motivation to get up for an Edinburgh derby or a derby of of any kind. Um, I would be, I'd be imagining that Hibs players. I, I don't think there's a there's a Hibs player, maybe apart from Stevenson and Hanlon, that's actually won an Edinburgh derby at Tynecastle. Newell, maybe. Um, yeah, you're you're, you're, look, that, you're looking back at the Martin Boyle one, aren't you? Two uh, 0 Um Speaking of battlers in midfield, it was confirmed that Johnny Williams is now a free agent. Do you think it's just a matter of time until he signed on the dotted line or do you think he already has and we're just waiting till the end of the season to announce it? I don't know anything. Um, but I would imagine with the amount that Lee Johnson's spoken about Williams that um, there's definitely at least something going on. I would be very, very surprised if the window shut at the start of next season and Johnny Williams wasn't a hips player. Well, he'd be as a free agent anyway, so it wouldn't matter when we sign him, really, regardless. Well, I would. <laughs> I'd be very, very surprised if someone else picked up Johnny Williams. Yeah, yeah. I just, do you think it's maybe just more of a case of we're waiting to see where we finish in the table to then maybe offer a different type of package to him? 
because like you said, Lee Johnson spoke about him at great length. He says he wants him. It looks as though it's happening. Hibs are clearly trying to do some business early anyway with obviously mm-hmm. getting Ellie Yuan signed and working on, you know, stuff for the young players and potentially other loans and try to get them over the line and whatever. So do you think it's maybe just a matter of time? I'd like to think so. Me and you spoke about it before, about Johnny Williams, about the, the kind of pedigree that he has and the sort of qualities that he would bring to the club. And I'd like to think that it's a matter of time. I would have liked to, I would have liked to have seen him in January, but you know, it doesn't always work like that. But no, a matter of time for me. I'd, I'd really like to see him in the building for next season. Right. So we'll move on to everyone's favourite and part that I'm looking forward to this evening. So well done if you've made it this far. The listener questions. Now it's time to answer the Hibs Ramble listener questions. Liam, you know the drill. Don't need to even ask you the question. Just hit me with the answer. Pulled pork and spicy rice. Had it or going to have it? Going to have it after the pod. Nice one. I had a chorizo and pea risotto. Delicious. Oh, you had a risotto for the last episode as well, didn't you? I did, I did. You did, because I I was listening to it on the way in Teaster Road on Sunday. And I thought, that sounds fucking disgusting. It was brilliant. (laughs) Really good. Really good. Um, Dick, how many mistakes has Marshall made? Honestly, starting to lose count. Thought Yuan was quite poor, but could say that about the majority of the team. What's your thoughts on that? How many mistakes has Marshall made? Well, what? Two in that game. The one at St. Johnston. And those are just fresh in your memory as well. Yeah, I can't really remember many more, but I know there is more. Um, I don't know. I really want to defend them because I really like Marshall and I really like the fact that we've got him. But it's, it's becoming pretty difficult. To defend them, which is a shame. It will leave us in an interesting position next season um, because he's still got another year on his contract. Murray Johnson's obviously going out on loan and that will be great for him and he will play and he'll get minutes. At the moment, other than Tom Carter, you don't have anyone else at the club. So I understand that we we will bring a goalkeeper in. I just hope it's someone that pushes David Marshall because I mentioned this at the weekend my issue with Marshall is naturally if there isn't any competition for your place or for your jersey you're going to you know not be 100% all the time exactly and he, and he was never he, at no point in the season has his position been under threat regardless of whether he's club captain or not mm-hmm. whereas if you compare that to the Marciano and Bogdan situation they got the best out of each other well let me put this to you if if he had a Bogdan number 2 do you think he would have come out the side? Or if we had, some, if had someone place? of Bogdan or Marciano's quality waiting in the wings, yeah, I think he would have already been dropped. But my question would then my question would then be would he have maybe would have his performances dropped at all to even let that that, that player come in? This is what we don't know. I think definitely keep Marshall in and about the, the first team for next season, but we need to bring in a quality goalie that isn't just there to be a professional number two. Um, we've spoken about it for for a few weeks now. I think that, um, that it's it's a it's probably the, the most glaring addition that we need to make in the summer. And 
Well, for Marciano, it's just Lenny Feyenoord. So I'm not uh, usually an advocate of going, oh, bring him home, bring him home. But if you're listening, Mr. Kensel, Mr. Johnson, bring him home. It, may, it makes sense, doesn't it? It makes sense. Um, Shelley loves Edinburgh. He's obviously, he left to try and get that experience elsewhere. It's not worked for him. You know, I know he's not played much, but you know, surely the I think he did play. I think he had a run of games when their first choice goalie was injured, and then the first choice goalie came back from injury and he lost his place again. I don't yeah. actually know who the other goalie is at Feyenoord, but must be good to keep Marciano out anyway. This is it, mate. This is it. Well, um, Chris Maxwell kept Marciano at the team at Hibs, and so did Matt so, Macy. Oh. Jack, Jack Ross played him two years ago to the day in the cup final. So. Oh, that's the Yeah. Here's a, here's, a, here's a question for you, Liam, right? And just a, a question for the listeners as well, right? I'm going to hit you with the, the, the starting 11 for that game. So, Matt Macy, Paul, Paul McGinn, Ryan Porches, Paul Hanlon, Josh Doig, Martin Boyle, Gogic, Newell, Jackson Irvin, Doig, Nisbet. Mm-hmm. If you take Chris Cadden out of our 11 and put Martin Boyle in there, have we improved as a starting eleven in the last two years? Do you remember the starting eleven for the weekend? I do. I'm trying to think. I think we're we're in a very different place. I'd be inclined to say that we are stronger. Um, although the table doesn't say so because we finished third that season and reached a semi final and a final, and you know we're sitting fifth. And we've not had a trip to Hamden this season. I think in terms of squad-wise, we put in a better position. Although Doig that season was very good, Nisbet that season was very, very good. Um, Josh Doig was very, very good. Ryan Porteous obviously was really good. They were all they were all players playing at a very high level, regardless of whether that was because fans were there or, or, or fans weren't there. We had a bench of Marciano, Gray, McGuinness, Wright, Stevenson, Murphy, Halberg, McGregor. So I think maybe if you compare the two full squad A18s, you would maybe feel more inclined to say that that, that was better and we're maybe probably worse off now. I think I we are. Know. I don't know. I think, I think where we are now is in a good place. I think we've got... I don't think we've actually struck the right balance this season but it was never going to happen I don't think especially with being Lee Johnson's first year the amount of turnover that we've had in terms of playing staff um, in the summer and in January I think it was always going to be difficult to kind of get that momentum up Um, but now he's looking at his second summer in the job I think we can probably look and, and assume in good faith that we'll be, if we have this conversation at the at the end of the transfer window, we'll be a lot happier then than we are now. With based, on everything, based on everything that Lee Johnson keeps saying, you know, he keeps referring to three, four windows, this will be his third window. So you would like to think that this will be the one that... Would you not will, imagine that he's talking about three or four summers, though, because... He says transfer windows, though, not three or four years. Or three or four summer windows. He does say three or four transfer windows. I think it would probably be naive for any football manager to say that they're going to be in the job for three or four years, given the way that it is at the moment. Yeah, correct. So I think, it's obviously we say this every summer, it's going to be a big summer. I think (laughs) this summer will be the one where if everything goes to plan, you would like to think this would be the one where we're getting the final pieces to the jigsaw, maybe 
getting the right people in. Do you know what I mean? So well, I, mean, I think we've seen over the course of the season that we've only been two, three, maybe four quality players away from having a really good team that can... I mean, you look at Aberdeen, right? As well. Exactly. You look at Aberdeen, you look at Hearts, and you compare their squads with ours. And, and I think that where Hearts are and where Aberdeen are at the moment, their squads are better than ours. But they're not better by a vast majority of players. We are not miles behind them in terms of quality and personnel. We need to be confident in our recruitment and get the right players in. And then next season, you never know, we could be up challenging for that third spot with Hearts and Aberdeen. Yeah. And back to the questions, uh, Jack has asked us to list things that are worse than Marshall and Goal. So I don't think that's are worse. worse than Marshall and Goal. List things that are worse than Marshall and Goal. A warm bottle of Budweiser is worse than Marshall and Goal. That's terrible. That's like, see if you were at, I don't know if you ever went to Tina Park. Well, you might have done, but... I wouldn't have drunk anyway. So, when you're at Tina Park, right, and you've brought Baby with you and you've finished it all, and some guy's got Budweiser and it's been lying out in the sun all day and you're gagging on a beer and you end up cracking open a cold Bud, a warm Budweiser, sorry. That's really bad. That's really, really bad. And I can tell you, Sean, I know you don't drink, but I can tell you, that is worse than David Marshall goes. I promise you that. I promise you. So, Jack, it's all about perspective, son. There and also, also, when you've got two children and you only sleep for three hours <laughs> at night. Well, some would say that's your own doing, Liam. Some it probably say. is. I say it probably is. It definitely is. Yeah. Um, Haley's asked us if there's anything we can change for next week. Um, I mean, by this time next week, the season will be over. Uh, two massive games coming up. We've kind of already touched on what we potentially will or won't change. I think. I think the main thing to change is the mindset. Yeah, it will be That's interesting to see thing. that with the short changeover in games. I can't imagine the exact same eleven starting the two games, regardless of you know yeah. the momentum or you know. Might see uh, here Harry McCurdy getting a start. Well, there is a question about that, so <laughs> we'll, come, we'll come on to that. Um, James has asked, as the Rangers players turned up in Monaco kits and played us off the park, <laughs> should we turn up in our next game in Real Madrid kits? Well, unfortunately, James, we do not have the white kit anymore. So we're I think we should, instead of Real Madrid kits, we don't turn up in Barcelona strips because they won the league, did they not? They did. They did. So, there we go. Wait, hang on, what's our, are we in third? We've got the mint green, black. yeah, and we've got the black. So we've got the mint green or the black. So I, I can't off the top of my head think black. of any teams that play play in mint. So you're thinking of a, a team that play in black, playing all black. Real Madrid's away the, kit is all black. The New Zealand rugby team, they're they're all right. They'd get us a few points. Aye, there we go. Stick one of them in the middle of midfield. Um, do. Stick one of the all blacks James, in. James and followed up Murray Johnson to play the next two games, and Fraser. Fraser then said, fucking Marshall. <laughs> I can't see Murray Johnson playing a single minute for Hibs uh, before the end of the season, considering that he's going away out on loan um, next season. Doesn't make an awful lot of sense to me. Um, not to do it now. Not, not right now, no. What's the point um, in terms of 
the man who said fucking Marshall. I think everyone kind of agreed at the game on Sunday. But, you know, listen, we've got to back the boy. We've got to back him. He's our keeper. He's our number one. He's our El Capitano. So he's got to have the full backing of the support. Um, Charlie with the next question. Um, and I'll, I'll answer this on your behalf, Liam. Um, Jimmy Jago, is the, criticism, is the criticism justified? For me, this is what Charlie's added. This is not my personal opinion, but I'll get on to that in a second. For me... He adds something to the team, allows Neil to play higher up to the park, uh, which is his best position. Now, Jimmy Jago, since he's joined the club, has been a very indifferent player um, and has been dug out quite a lot uh, since he's joined the club as well. Granted, I guess his game at the weekend there was um, not one of his better ones. Um, to give you his performance, and I know stats can sometimes be manipulated to what you want to say. So I'm going to just try and paint a picture for some of the listeners um, and then they can make their own mind up. If it, if it changes some opinions, then great. If it doesn't, then I don't really care because I'm just I'm here providing the, the stats. <laughs> so yesterday against Rangers, only Josh Campbell and CJ had a worse passing percentage. And that's something that obviously Jago is... Uh, known for is is his passing percentage not being the greatest he was joint fourth for his interceptions joint second for his tackles joint third for his clearances and only kevin top joint second and joint fourth top no bottom all right well he had a bad game that's that's why i led off with saying that he had a terrible game i was going to say i was like i thought he was all right but i didn't think he was that good (laughs) nah um, and I'll get I'll get on to your point as well there. Um, he committed three fouls in the match. Only Kevin Nisbet committed more, which was seven in the match. Now, naturally, a player that plays in the deep line, holding midfielder, whatever you want to call it, the Makalele, the CDM, whatever, naturally, and this is, again, just my opinion, if your team's getting beat and you're playing in that role, Naturally, you're going to get highlighted, and naturally, you're you're going to have your back naturally. against the wall. How many times are you going to say that? I can get it in another few times. <laughs> but the thing is, my my point being, if you're playing in that role and you're playing against a side that are considerably technically better than you, and it, the same will happen on Wednesday. Hopefully, his level of performance is better. But I mean, in regards to the the level of player that we're playing against, you're going to struggle regardless of how good you are in that hip side. And when a CDM has a bad game, you notice it. Because naturally, you have a bad game or you get spotted as having a bad game when your team loses. Mm-hmm. The victory away to Livingston, the victory against Aberdeen, the victory against St Mirren, just to name a couple, he had a great game. He didn't have terribly too much to do, but what he was there to do, he'd done very well. Um, and broke up play. Now, I'm going to again hit you with, not necessarily you, Liam, but the listeners with some stats. And the next set, a big shout out to JD for actually doing it because I was doing the legwork for it this morning and then I saw his tweet, so I just nabbed it because he finished it off for me. So, um, without Jimmy Jago, Hibs have played 22 games. We've gathered an average of 1.23 points per game. That's 1.23 points per game. And we've scored an average of 1.32 goals per game. So scored 1.32 and conceded 1.68. 
In the 14 games that we have played with Jimmy Jago, I think he's started every single game that he's he's had available since he came to the club, which is 14 games. We have got more points per game, which is uh, 1.5. So 1.5 in comparison to 1.3, so that is more. We have scored 1.64 goals in comparison to the 1.32 that we've had without him. And we've conceded 1.36 in comparison to the 1.68 that we have without him. So the with and without comparison naturally shows that we have been better without him. We've had more points, we've scored more goals. We've had better with, we have done better with him, you mean? Yeah, and that coincides, don't get me wrong, before I come on to the last bit of it, and again, this isn't a pro-Jimmy Jago rant, this isn't a against Jimmy Jago rant, I'm literally just given the stats and then everyone can make up what they want from it. It obviously coincides with um, players like Kevin Nisbet coming back, uh, CJ Gain Riley coming into the side as well, the partnership of Fish and Hanlon doing so well. And I think Jago playing in that CDM role has allowed the players like Newell and Doyle Hayes and Campbell to have a little bit more freedom and take a little bit of the brunt off of them and allow them to do what they do well. Um, in regards, this is the last bit in regards to the stats, I'll stop boring people um, in regards to the blocks per game Jimmy Jago is top and naturally you would expect that with the role that he plays but you know, with the amount of criticism he gets I, th- I do feel like it's actually quite interesting that he's still up there um, Fish and Hanlon are not far behind them but everyone else are way off the pace in regards to the blocks per game and like I said Jago's at the top for that as for interceptions per game um, Jago's third on our list with only CJ and uh, Will Fish in front now Joe Newell who recently has had a lot of praise is um, worse off in both those categories albeit this isn't a criticism of Joe, he has been really good Joe averages more tackles and commits more fouls per game in regards to um, Jago and yet Jago is coming off better in those categories Unfortunately, though, Jimmy Jago, uh, naturally because of the role that he plays and his lacking of ability in this area, he has the fourth lowest passing completion rate in the squad. And this is only taking into consideration players that have played the same amount of games as him or more. Only Miko, Nisbet and Marshall have a worse passing rate. Um, And lastly, the worst player in regards to getting dribbled by is Jimmy Jago, which... Partially, you would actually expect him to be near the top of that, um, albeit or at the top, considering his role. Yeah, naturally, you probably would. I think I counted about eight naturally. or nine naturallys there. Yeah. I, mean, um, I think I'm going to have to put a naturally counter on the bottom. Put in a sound, and every time I say that in that rant, just, just, just put it on. Um, in regards to being dispossessed, excluding the defenders, um, he is the worst off in that category as well. Only Henderson and a classed Cadden because he's been playing further forward than that. So only Henderson and Cadden have lost the ball less than him. Um, so yeah, there we go. There was a couple more, but I'm not going to bore anyone else. It's yeah, clearly I was a debate. Just falling asleep there, Sean, to be honest. It's clearly a debate that will continue to go on, considering we're playing two realistically top quality sides in the next two games, um, two tough games. It will be interesting to see how he copes. But there is a debate there to be had. He he, he does split opinion. Um, for me, 
like I said, we've won more points, conceded less goals and scored more goals since he came in. Yes, he's not the greatest centre midfielder that we've ever had in our time, but he's been brought in to do a job. There's a reason, not only with his age, that he's not been given a three or four year deal. He only has a year left in his deal. He's there to do a job and at the moment he's currently doing it. And unfortunately, we're not that great in the big games. So naturally, he's going to get caught out in them because of the, our game plan and the way that Lee Johnson likes to play. Anywho, back to the listener questions. Right, take a breath now, Sean. Um, John hit us with another question, and this goes back to what you were saying about Harry McCurdy. So, thoughts on McCurdy's performance? I genuinely thought he offered more than Cadden when he came on. I think Harry McCurdy had a point to prove. Um, I know that he, he came on against Aberdeen after his his Instagram story and all that um, after the St Mirren game, but I think that you know he, he probably wanted to prove to the to the Hibs fans at Easter Road that he was still committed, and I I felt that through his performance. To be honest, I think chucking Harry McCurdy on was it two 0 at the time or one 0 I can't I can't remember. He came on um, in the 55th or 56th minute, so he, he had a certainly good crack of the whip, that's for sure. Yeah, um, and I think he he looked lively, he looked direct, he looked like what um, I would expect from one of my wide players who who's blessed with the pace to to have a performance like, uh, if that makes sense. Um, I think he was... Did he, did he have an effort that was... I know we ended up. I know we ended up scoring from the corner, but yeah, his effort that he took very Josh Janelli like. He was going in the top bin. Um, McCrory gets that, saves it. We get the corner and then we score. I was away at that so, point. Uh, but yeah, it was a great effort from him. It looks like it's going in. Keeper saves it, and then ultimately from the corner we end up scoring. Um, Billy's came in with, why does there always have to be a boo boy every season? There is at least one player who gets it. Um, or gets the aim of it from most of the fan base, or at least gets the majority of their frustration. I think it's just the way that the way that football fans are. I think it's easy, and I'm not saying oh I'm a better fan because I don't I don't slate whoever all the time every single week. But I think it's easy, and I've definitely been guilty of you know scapegoating a player um, for things that probably weren't his fault. Uh, you know, I think I look back on it and I, I gave Fraser Fivey such a hard time. Um, back when he played, perhaps I really didn't like Fraser Fivey as a player. Um, but I, I think it's just the way that football fans are, to be honest, Billy. Um, you look at every club, and I think every single club in the world will probably have one of those players that the fans get on their back a wee bit more than others. A couple of years ago, it was Kevin Nisbet. I think Stephen Whitaker took a lot of it when he played for Hibs the second time round. Um, off the top of my head, Dre Wright. Dre Wright. Recently, yep. yeah, Dre Wright. I think that Dre Wright is a, a difficult one because he hardly ever got a game, and people were using him as a scapegoat, and he was spending the whole game on the bench. But it was still Dre Wright's fault. Um, no, I think. It's just the way that, that football fans are. And I can guarantee you that some point in the future, maybe next season, that there'll be a player that I've, I'm not fond of playing for Hibs and I'll moan about. Um, I'm not saying that 
oh, look at me, I, I support every single player with absolutely everything that I've got. It's not always the case, it's just the life of being a football fan, isn't it, Sean? Yeah, I think a lot of it actually comes down to the self-entitlement of a lot of Hibs fans that think we should be doing better than what we're actually doing, if I'm being honest. We've got the fifth best budget in the league, we're currently fifth. And rightly so, I, I agree we should be challenging for third. We could have got third this year and a completely a, a better set of players or maybe a better manager potentially that maybe gets more out of that squad. I don't know. We had a great chance of finishing third. Um, but I think we're all, we're all kind of guilty of blowing smoke up our own arses. Correct. When it Correct. comes to expecting where Hibs should be. I, I'm the same. Without I'm any all... justification as well, though. That's, exactly. That, that's part of the exactly. problem. I, I, I'm, always, I'm always of the thought Hibs should be out with the old firm, the best of the rest. And I, I would imagine that every single Aberdeen fan, every single Hearts fan um, will think the same because they're in, they're in the same boat as us. Uh, admittedly, their budgets are, are a bit bigger than ours are. So they probably have more reason to finish where they actually are finishing. But to be honest, it just comes down to part and parcel of being a Hibs fan. You want Hibs to be up there, and you, because we've seen it <laughs> three or four times in our lifetime, we're expecting it. Yeah. And it's just it's, it's part of the fun, wasn't it? Um, Liam's asking. Liam Riley's asking. Where does Marshall rank out of our recent goalkeepers, which we've kind of already touched upon? But he goes on to say eleven clean sheets, which I didn't realise it was as many as that. In 36 league games, um, some big saves during the early part of the season, as you already mentioned, Liam. Must be a Liam thing, that. <laughs> Along with great distribution, um, but can also think more recently at least five goals, which we've conceded that we maybe shouldn't. And Liam, you're absolutely spot on. Both Liams are absolutely spot on with, with what we've already said on that as well. So I, I think, think his distribution is good. His distribution is good at times. I think sometimes, well, it's weird, right? Because I think his distribution is is good. The way he puts the ball, the location that he puts the ball. But his, his urgency when he's got the ball in his hand is poor. I think at times he could spark attacks quickly and he doesn't. Um, yeah. But, you know, the location that he pinpoints the ball to when he kicks it from hand or he kicks it from goal kicks, is probably second to none to a lot of the Hibs goals that I've seen, you know, over the past five, six years. You say he's got good distribution, but he is the second worst passer in the team, statistically. Now, listen, I'm, I, w- I would expect a goalkeeper to be down there anyway because they take goal kicks. So naturally, you know, you're not always going to win them, but uh, devil's advocate. I actually don't think I can put a naturally counter in this podcast because... I'll be here on a heat I'll break it. Do you know what? I'm I'm going to I'm just throwing them in deliberately after that rant. <laughs> but if you're picking up on it, then great. In terms of rankings, though, like how many how many goalies are we are we talking? How many years back are we talking? Maybe if we, if we do it in the last five years, who's who's been our keepers in the last five years? Well, so yeah. Marshall, who's actually played a game? Marshall, Macy, yeah. Laidlaw, Laidlaw. Bogdan, uh, Marciano. Marciano, Bogdan, Maxwell. Has he yep. been in the five years? Yeah. Um, I would say he's third on. I would say Marshall's third on that list. I think so. I, aye, behind Marciano I, and Bogdan. Aye, I really like Adam Bogdan to be honest. I really like them. I love them. Yeah, I love them. 
got soft spots for him after a triple away, mind you, after some of his saves in that game. Um, BT Wilson fired in with a, another Marshall question, but this is a, a kind of double parter. Should Marshall hang his gloves up in regards to first team appearances and concentrate on coaching another keeper? Loved him in his heyday, and his distribution is still top notch, as you've already mentioned, Liam. Um, but he seems to have lost a bit of speed in his reactions. Um, perfect example is Marciano is available on a free. His shot stop, his shot stopping is excellent, but his distribution not so good. Imagine if we could add Rocky's shot stopping with Marshall's distribution. Get him to have a baby. That's the answer. Uh, Harvey Scott again, another McCurdy one. Uh, I, I should probably answer this, and you'll know why when I say it. Should McCurdy get a baldy? Looks like he's killed a flamingo and shoved his arse on his head. Um, speaking from experience, yes, he probably should. He might he might look and feel a little bit better after he does it as well. But I don't think he will. I think he'll continue with the hair dye. I don't know. I think it's funny. And to be honest, see, he's got bigger balls than me because there's absolutely no way that I would be dyeing my hair that colour and then coming on chest puffed out against Rangers it goes, it goes back to the telly. what Did I said the when he came on they were going what the fucking hell is that oh, oh, the Rangers um, it goes back to what I was saying on an episode however many weeks ago if McCurdy dressed properly and he looked like let's just say Josh Campbell right normal haircut, normal build socks up whatever People would probably moan that he doesn't have a bit about him and doesn't have a bit of personality. Yeah, yeah. And but then be happy. That was the draw. That was the draw for yeah. it, wasn't it? But then yeah. on the flip on the flip side, you then want a player to have that, and then now that we've got it, we're moaning. Do you know? I think I mean? it's because his his performances haven't matched the attitude. Correct. So far. But at the same and if, time, if he was not, performing, then everyone would be all over it, like with Jason Cummins. Everyone knew how he was a character. Martin Boyle. Everyone knew he was a character. And You've got to start a run of games, though, to be you know to be given. You a- do, you do. But on the flip side, I mean, I I like Harry McCurdy. I think he's a half decent player, and I'd like to see him stay at Hibs for you know, at least another season or seize contract out at least. Yeah. Um, you know, he's got he's got to have that run of games. But from what I've seen from Harry McCurdy, I've seen good glimpses. I've seen flashes of of good play, but I've not seen enough for me when he came when he comes on as a sub for me to go. He deserves a place over Yuan next week, or he deserves a place over Nisbet. It's I don't know. He's maybe fighting a losing battle, trying to come up against Yuan and Nisbet. But yeah, I, I think he needs a run of games, but he's not done enough for me to justify running games. No, I, I, I completely completely agree. Um, some weirdo, Martin Corrigan. Don't know who he is. Loser, probably. Oh, man. Um, I don't think we're going to take three points against Celtic on Wednesday. What's your views? Well, Martin, you've been supporting Hibs for over 60 years and you're only just realising we're not going to take three points off Celtic. So I'm glad you're finally <laughs> with us. Um, and obviously we've already already touched on that. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of your negativity here, Martin. We're all bit positive on the ramble. Come on, son. Uh Rudy fired in on Instagram as well. Uh, do you think we need to buy a new goalkeeper, which we've already answered, yes, with Dabrowski away, and hopefully McDermott has someone in mind because Marshall has made too many mistakes. Again, reoccurring theme tonight, Liam. 
Callum McDonald on, on Instagram loves an Instagram question, so I appreciate that, Callum. Uh, three questions from him. Question one, who should we sign as a goalkeeper because Marshall just ain't cutting it? Obviously, you've mentioned uh, Marciano already. Um, I don't know if there's maybe a, an avenue like, for us to get Seagrist. I like Liam Kelly at Motherwell. I know he's not unreal, but I liked him when he was at, uh, uh, at Livingston. Yeah. And I think Motherwell did really well to get him. And I think we would be daft not to go for him. I don't know if he's still under contract or if he's how long he's got, got left on his contract, but I think we should be looking at Kelly. Yeah, I, I think we maybe need to go down the avenue of getting strong, experienced SPFL players that kind of know what it takes to cut it in the league as well. And I'm not saying we need to buy five or six of them because then we'll maybe just end up buying average. But if we can get two or three that are of a good quality, maybe just to take us to another level yeah, and because something else to the dressing room as well. We can't settle. We can't settle for um, you know players that are only cutting it for other teams. Whatever you want to think about Paul McGinn when he was in a hip shirt, that was a you know it was a unflattering signing. I wasn't impressed by it. I didn't really rate Paul McGinn that highly when he played for Hibs. I think a lot of people did. A lot of people thought that he you know he did a job. I think he, he did come in and he did a job. But for me he was nothing more than a stopgap player who was here for too long. Um I think we need to be careful about who we sign from other from other teams, especially if they're finishing below us. There's a reason that they're playing for these teams that have finished in the bottom six. So we need to be careful and properly cherry pick our, our, our players that were, that were taken from these teams if we go down that route. Yeah. Uh, question two from Callum. Do you still see top four as a possibility? Liam does. I don't. Um, since we're four points off Hearts, and if point if Hearts get a point, then it's pretty much not happening. Um, you've already mentioned that you still see it as a possibility, so hopefully you are right, Liam. I can't see it, to be honest. I don't think I've had a right prediction the whole season. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you one, <laughs> one person that's not had a right prediction all season, that would be Mark. Mark, if you're listening, I don't even need to say it. I'm just bringing it up. I'll tell you me. what. Dundee United are really making a strong charge for that top six. Yeah, top six in the championship. Here they come. <laughs> uh, if they're lucky. <laughs> no way. Uh, final question of the episode tonight. Again, from Calm, his third one. Um, should we start McCurdy in the next game? No. I think I, I said that I said it earlier in the pod that it could be a possibility, but if I was Lee Johnson. I probably wouldn't. I think I would put an extra bully in midfield. At least it gives us something else to bring off the bench as well. A mm-hmm. um, couple of final questions from me to you, Liam. One, how many points we get in the next two games? And two, do I need to get the passport out? Zero and yes. <laughs> You're up, baby, let's go! <laughs> I love it. And also, by the way, I need to make an update to my um to my dinner. My dinner oh, tonight. All right. I just had a text. I just had a text with Megan. KFC question mark. Oh he's hit the jackpot. <laughs> oi, oi, oi. Still living on the takeaways. Things I you'll love to see, mate. Honestly, things you'll love to see. 
Right, that brings us to an end. Um, just before you stop listening, if you haven't already, which you won't bloody hear this anyway if you've stopped listening, <laughs> don't forget to like, subscribe, comment on our videos on YouTube, Spotify, Apple. Um, I'll plug it again. We do a lot of you know throwback content on Facebook. There was quite a lot of responses to Sunday's content, and rightly so, considering what it was. Uh, we've, we're big on the Instagram content, match day stuff as well. So get involved, pester us. Abuse us, whatever you want to do. And tell me how lovely um, my son Tommy looks as well. Yeah, they've got to come to YouTube for that. So hopefully that's the most important thing for this episode. That's the most important thing I could not actually no. The second most important thing, the first most important thing is I'll get out KFC, baby. (laughs) Right, Liam, been a pleasure. Ramble over and out. As always, mate. Catch you next time. See ya. See ya.